Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk tactics and training with the Yeti and explore the idea of establishing personal shooting standards. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, the big man across the table, sort of, kind of, the big man, Keith, is in the house. Keith, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm not in the house tonight. But you are not officially well. in the house. No, no, not tonight. This is weird, but uh, we haven't done this in, uh, boy, is it like eight months, nine, <sighs> ten months? Something. I have no so, idea. So let's give a quick rundown here. So when we started the show, you and I were in our own houses and we kind of like re- remotely plugged in and yeah, did, did the yeah. interviews. And then I, we I got... I used to do it laying down in my bed. It was great. I didn't want to know that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, but And then we got in under the same roof and things were great, right? And now we're going back to the old ways. What's going on here? Well, you know, the uh, the old Rona. Running, 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 ravic. Both households. Us. Both households. Both households. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit. So if I'm coughing a little bit tonight, you all know why. But uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah, and we made this work, and uh, I'm happy to, happy to still be doing this. So what's new? <laughs> oh man. Uh, so guess our ammo came in today for the low light sh- uh, training course that we're oh, going to be attending. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah, so uh, that's good. And uh, I also uh, sent you a picture of my uh, Streamlight. Maybe you could put that on Instagram for everybody. Oh, cool. Yeah, I will. And, definitely. Um, it's it's pretty nice, man. I'm I'm pretty excited. I, uh, I'm i not sure. It'll be fine. And also, um, I got my red dot in for my SIG that is still in jail. Because, Very cool. Uh, I can't get it added to my permit in a timely manner. Ugh, I hope it's in time for the class. Uh, yeah, we still got a little bit of time, so I'm I'm hopeful. I'm right. hopeful. I'm 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 kind of putting all my eggs in that basket. So, yeah. uh, well, take a se- take a sexy picture of the red dot and the light, and I'll put them on Instagram. I know I know you're not going to oh, do it. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna I will take a picture with uh, one of my favorite signs. It'll it'll be good. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. All right. So I want to get into the in with our interview here, but before we do that, a couple of things, guys. If you're out there listening, you know. We always look for that support from you guys. We appreciate uh, all the support we've already gotten. But if you are have not done this already, if you could join our mailing list, go to thegunexperiment.com, subscribe and leave a five-star review and comment on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Instagram and or Facebook. Uh, if you could do any of those things, all of those things, it's very much appreciated, especially joining the mailing list and the review because that really, really helps us out in a lot of ways. One more thing before we get into the show, tonight's show sponsor is Spartan Armor Systems. I mean, we've talked about them before. They're a really great company. Um, Todd's great. Uh, you get 15% off with our discount code, Gun Experiment 15 And I just want to kind of just put it out there, but if you're law enforcement or even simply a, ci- a citizen or civilian who's found some sort of a place for body armor in your defense plan, check them out. They're very competitive in their pricing. Uh, we compare them to some of their competitors, and it was very, very, very reasonable. Free shipping on all orders. Plates are made in America, and Keith and I personally shot them. And Keith, how did that go? Well, you know, our my I think it's got to be the saying whenever we talk about this is uh, as long as you're, uh, if you're anything like a melon, you'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> it did save the melon. <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's get into this thing. Our guest tonight has served as one of the primary instructors for Magpul Dynamics and has been the owner and lead instructor for Sentinel Concepts since 2014. He was responsible for the development of new training curriculums in law enforcement based on low light, home defense, and the use of carbine, handgun, and shotgun in various applications. Please welcome Steve Yeti Fisher to the show. Steve, how's it going? Good, man. How are you getting doing? I'm hanging in there. Just dealing with the Rona. Steve, yeah. Steve, were you uh, were you able to uh, were you able to trademark Yeti before Yeti was a thing? You know, it was funny. I got that name a million years back from Alan Normandy from Battlecom. Uh, Alan's been a buddy of mine for geez, well over she's like close to fifteen years now. I would say at least somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's just one of those names he gave me and it just kind of stuck around for all these years. I wish I should have, but I think yeah. like the cooler company had it and everybody else before me. So yeah. yeah, you're, you're, you're a big guy, right? Is, is that where the name came from? Just being a big dude? 
Yeah, you know, this big hairy mongrel mutt kind of thing, big, you know, <laughs> six foot, just about six five. And <laughs> so it was uh, one of those deals that just kind of hung out. And there it is. Gotcha. I was I was hoping you were going to tell me you got some royalties on it or something. I wish. That'd be so awesome. But no. <laughs> so, uh, Steve, you have a, a very impressive pedigree. I have to say, I've actually followed your stuff for, for quite a while. So I, I'm really glad that you're on our show now. And uh, you have a great reputation as an instructor. So was there a defining moment for you where you realized that you wanted to make people more proficient shooters and, and sort of share your knowledge? I, I think like a lot of people, it starts out with kind of like a good idea fairy or it starts like, hey, this is a way to make money, you know, for a lot of people. Uh, for myself, you know, uh, I was a lifelong hunter, shooter, you know, grew up in that kind of household. Um and it really honestly like started for me, like, like a lot of young dudes, right? Like I was fast. I had an ego. I was pretty good at stuff. And then I just got it handed to me at a local club event match kind of thing. One day I was like, oh, I suck. Um, so I need to go get better. And then, you know, through my own experiences, travels, training, I started working for one company, developed another company, uh, was hired by Magpul. And it, it just kind of snowballed, but it's always... I think those defining moments are throughout the entire career history, right? Because something always grabs you and drives you directionally. Sure. So it's, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint one exact thing, but I, but I, I really, I want to say it was like kind of my own journey at that point in time to where like, yeah, you know, Hey, I'm awesome. <laughs> no, 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 you're not kid. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> I, I need to, I, I need to get better. Then I need to help others get better. Yeah. Were Were you always like that? Even growing up, do you think? Do you think like you always found yourself in like a teacher role, kind of? To a certain extent, yeah, yeah. To a certain extent, early in my life, yeah. Now, did I read somewhere? Did you were you a corrections officer, or did you do some law enforcement? I can't remember. Yeah, so I, I started my career a million years ago in like 1991, like so, you, you know, a whole other lifetime ago. And that's where I started. I started out as a corrections guy. Okay. Um, did that. And then, yeah, you know, took over and just did the training thing for, you know, the rest of it when I left that in uh, 2006. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you still have uh, your first AR, that uh, Cult 20, I think you said it was? I, I read somewhere. Oh, yeah. 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 Still, I still have it. I still have my uh, first HR kind of you know colt 20 inch musket gun rolling around still have it wow when was the last time you shot it <sighs> six months ago oh wow oh, good for you yeah that was a better answer yeah. than I, I thought you were gonna say years oh no no i i like so so there's this, like this mental definition kind of thing that goes on and it's like hey man like um i need to just go do things for fun sometimes right and it's like you take out some of the old guns it's like your first 22 you got as a kid with your dad or your, your, oh, yeah. your first yeah. shotgun or whatever. And you just, you just need to go have fun and mentally decompress that. Yeah. yeah. Funny, I'm, I'm funny, funny you say that. I, uh, I have a, a BB gun. That was my first gun ever. And mm -hmm. I recently literally dusted it off <laughs> and brought That's it out for awesome. my son to shoot. And it was really cool and nostalgic for me to do that. So I get it. Yeah, it's always a good time. Yeah, for sure. So I was looking through some videos and I was kind of trying to see like, what direction do I want to go here? Like there's a lot of different angles that I could take with you, but uh, I, I saw a really cool video and it kind of got my juices flowing. So plenty of instructors uh, talk about the operator getting off the X and I'm, I'm kind of using mm -hmm. that in quote air quotes here, but uh, you sort of take it to another level by introducing the concept of moving targets themselves and specifically your movement in conjunction with the moving target. So what are some of the reasons why you feel that this is so important? Mobility is key, right? Either moving to cover, from cover, to other positions of advantage, angles, be it shooting competitively, be it defensively, uh, offensively, however you want to phrase that, right? For what you would do with a, a gun or, or a certain type of gun. Uh, shooting on the move, honestly, is a lot easier than what people make it out to be or have in their own head. Right. And so, but understanding like you can't just stay stagnant, right? There's a time and place to learn. There's a time and place to do all these other things to develop those fundamentals and those foundations and those skills. And there's a time to move, right? And to be moving with the gun and to understand that it's not this tabooish kind of thing to like, I, I can only move this way. The gun has to be down or the gun has to be up. Or the gun has, like, you just need to get comfortable moving with the gun, period. Right. And so, shooting the gun while moving. So I have a couple of questions about that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm reading a couple of books right now, and both of these books that I'm reading talks a little bit about movement and mm -hmm. the idea mm -hmm. that there's this sort of like this, I guess, 
cadence or drill that a lot of people do where they they take two steps to the left and then they fire and they take two steps mm. to the right, right? Mm. And you're, I think you're reading my mind here. The idea that if you're going to move, you got to move with a purpose, right? You got to really move and get off that X. So can you talk a little bit about that? What should we be doing in our training to really learn movement? So with a lot of that, right, where that comes from initial is like moving into cover, moving out of a doorway, moving out of cover, right? Moving in these short spaces. A lot of that comes from you know, certain training programs where they may have 20 dudes on a line, they can't really dramatically move or, or they're shooting just, you know, they're stepping into a piece of cover, right? Just to get people used to that, yep. um, that effect, right? So getting people to move, getting in their head, they should be moving. Absolutely critical. Yeah, absolutely important. Um, with that, right, there's a little bit of falsehood for some people and what they do. Um, if you're going to move, you should be moving, right? Like, like you need to move, you need to move aggressively, um, to certain points of cover or certain positions that will allow you to get yourself set up for that next shot or to, you know, deal with the angles. It, it could be anything from dudes, uh, you know, PD guys moving through parking lots, stores, you know, other structures dealing with active shooter. It could be a million and one things. It could be the dude shooting local USPSA match. Sure. So it's not, it's not two steps, right? I mean, there may be a time where it's like, you know, hey, this little piece of cover kind of visual barrier thing I need to step out from that. That's fine. But ultimately, the goal should be to move aggressively with the gun. Yeah. So when when you say that, is it do you train move as in move, 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 stop and shoot? Or do you also teach move and shoot at the same time? So two different dynamics, right? There, yes. There's a time to be stationary and to post up and engage and then move. Um, there's also times to be closing distance, short burst duration while shooting and moving. So what I would consider like short burst duration of movement would be like 25 to five yards or 25 to zero yards. Yep. Right. So anything inside that space, I feel me personally that it should be done on the move while shooting based on what is happening in front of you or around you. Gotcha. Right? So it, yeah, I got you. No, and I was going to just follow up by saying, and Keith, I don't know if you saw this video, but, uh, Steve, I think you're you're probably the first person I've ever heard say this, but you talk about, uh, and I'll give the example you used, which is if you're in like a corridor or a narrow hallway where there is no cover, mm-hmm. moving towards the the target aggressively and using ballistics as a form of cover. And I said, man, that's I never thought of that, but that is a really mind-blowing concept to actually use the ballistics themselves as your cover. You can visualize it almost as when you know when you're reading it. Um, I, I, what I was thinking about when I was seeing this is what a great idea, first of all, right? Like I understand it. And this is what you teach Steve, right? But Mike, I was like, how are, how would we be able to do this? We can't do this at our club. Like if we wanted to set up a 25 yard course with different forms of cover and set it up differently and, and practice all those different ways, how do you do that at a club that, you know, or do you have to just find a place that will allow you to do it? I, I was thinking self selfishly, of course, you know, no, no absolutely. You should. And, and the problem is like, right. Club restrictions. Right. So if your club won't let you shoot on the move, right. It's like, Oh, that's dangerous. Yeah. Okay. God, it can't do that. Right. I can hear it now. So, yeah. So, so, so what you could do, right. Like, like hypothetically is if you've got some of the good backyard or good space or good garage or anything, a building, like, you can do it with Sims, Airsoft. You you can do all these things there. You already know how the gun recoils, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool story, bro. Like nobody cares. The gun recoils. We've been doing this for how long? I don't know how long. You guys have been shooting. This is the first time we've talked. You, you know. So again, it's like okay. So so what? Like I just need to learn how to move. Like I don't even have to really shoot at first to learn how to move, but I just want to move. And here's the thing. Uh, and taking this from an old buddy of mine, like you've been walking since you've been three years old. You know, relatively well, like you already know how to move in general, right? You do this every single day of your life. You don't have to change how you move naturally to shoot a gun. Right. You don't, right? It's just an extension at that point, get a long gun or a pistol. Um, so you can set this up. You can set this up in your basement. You can set this up in your garage. You can set this up in a backyard with airsoft guns, Sims guns. You can set this up with a Mantis X training system if you wanted to. Right. Oh, we do that with a little blackbeard. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is why you guys pay me the big money. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you, uh, do you still think shotguns are underutilized in self-defense plans? Yes. Why, why do yes. they get overlooked so much? I'm a shotgun guy, so I, mm-hmm. I'm all about it. But mm-hmm. why do they get overlooked so much? Um, this, this, honestly, I think comes from the last 20 plus years of the Great War on Terror, right? 
all these guys and kids at the time that did this awesome job for this country and others have come out of service knowing two things, an M4 and a Beretta or a Glock, right? Or a belt-fed machine gun, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome because I'm like, God, I wish I had a belt-fed machine gun right now. Yeah. But <laughs> um, so dealing with that, right? So there's that mentality of it. So it's generally the gun that they have never known, right? Or it's the gun that was just like, oh, I had one growing up when we hunted birds in the farm. I'm That's sorry, a lot I'm going to say from. some of the, there's, there's a lot of myths, right? There's the, sure, there's sure. the, oh, you can hit anything, you know? And you don't even have to aim or oh, yeah. over, you know, overall, I, I, I like it when somebody says that to me, I go, you should come shoot skeet with me and let's see if you have to. Aim yeah. Right. I grew up in a big waterfall hunting family and bird family for years. And I grew up shooting registered trap. Like, so I was a trap shooter, skeet shooter growing up. I, you know, I waterfall hunted, I bird hunted. I did everything with a shotgun, literally, as, as you know, growing up in my ear. So shotgun's a natural extension to me, realistically. But it, again, well, it's, I, like a, it's, a lot, it's a lot of those people that just don't understand it, that have never been exposed to it to that degree, or they think or maybe feel you're going to fight the ISIS horde in your living room at 4 a.m. I don't think they're, I think you're hard pressed. And, and I think there's more discussion about the ballistics of shotguns and home defense more and more, mm-hmm. but it's coming back around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to talk about another set of ballistics that match up to a buckshot, you know, at 10, 15 yards, seven yards, you know? Hey, you know, something about anywhere between eight to 24 pellets and delivering someone in the neighborhood of about 1600 foot pounds of energy with every press of triggers in like real. four in like four inches three inches in some cases depending on how good the yeah. ammo is yeah exactly so steve let me i want to kind of piggyback on what keith is talking about um so first off the one thing i want to talk about is the idea that people think and, and i could be wrong about this so if i am please correct me but people think like oh it's a shotgun it's uh you know it's 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 pellets there is no overpenetration. That's not true, right? There is overpenetration no, no, with buckshot. Anything that is ballistically fired from any gun has penetration over penetration issues, right? So, so like the deal with the shotgun is ultimately you 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 find a gun that you like, you you pattern the gun with a couple of different types of ammo, you take measurements in your house or whatever the role is for that gun, and you apply that to your patterning with your targets, right? And you go, okay, I need to maximize this gun as efficiently as possible. Um, awesome, right? So, so then I develop my patterns. I find the buckshot load I like. I buy some of it. I load the gun. I stuff it in the corner, and then people forget about it, right? So, so that's the other part of it. But there is there is ballistic penetration and over penetration issues. Um, with you know, basically, you look at it kind of like any other ballistics program going on. You have you know internal, external, terminal, and external ballistics, mm-hmm. right? So, so you have the round leaving. You have the round hitting a medium such as flesh or whatever possibly exiting the flash, missing the flash, and then being terminal ballistics again, right? As it's leaving externally, and now it's becoming terminal again at some point somewhere else down that corridor. Right. So, so this is all important real stuff. But you know, the other problem with the shotgun is that a lot of people don't realize is you may not live in a free state. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so we're from, we're from New York, so we're behind I'm enemy sorry. lines here. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Yeah, shotguns are great in New York. You, yeah. you uh, end up needing to have a home defense situation, a shotgun. You're, you're okay. Cause nobody thinks anything bad about shotguns. Yeah. Here. That's yeah. where I was going to go with this. So, I mean, I, I like the AR platform, although admittedly I'm not super, super as familiar with it as I should be. Um, where does the AR fall? You take the shotgun, you take the AR, um, mm-hmm. What are the benefits of one over the other? So we we've already talked about the shotgun. Are there benefits that the AR provides? Obviously, um, the amount of ammunition that it can hold is one. But right, what are some of the others? Like recoil, right? Accessories. I, I did an article interview on this a little while back um, for I think it was AR fifteen build junkie. We talked about it, and it, it's kind of one of those deals of like, look, the plus and minuses really comes down ballistically, right? To the gun and to the recoil impulses. Okay, tracking on that size weight ratio is pretty much identical. Uh, capacity one magazine standard capacity 30 rounds right okay cool well i have eight rounds right per cartridge <laughs> shell going into that gun and i've got six five seven eight of them depending on where you're at i'm like going so with two presses of the trigger i just launched half the capacity of an ar mag right. depending on the load i'm yeah. shooting um three presses of the trigger oh yeah we're getting those four presses of the trigger i've just launched the plus capacity of an ar mag by two to four pellets depending on the load i'm shooting maybe six is the over penetration uh, less of a concern with an ar than with a shotgun 
Yeah, I, I feel it somewhat is if you're using yeah. good ammo, right? Like if you're using the correct ammo in the gun, you'll get you'll you'll get a more rapid loss of energy fragmentation from right. those rounds because of the velocity. Right. So the reason I bring so, that up, Steve, is because I've had this debate with people, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. people who are like trying to sell me on shotgun, but saying sure. that the AR is a good a home defense platform because it, it has it less is. it has less over penetration and people have said no way it has less over and I'm like I, it does but uh, people don't it believe does that. but it's not by much um yeah. okay that's fair <laughs> and like ballistic gel penetration tests all those other mediums are out there that you show up they're pretty much identical plus or minus two inches right so no big deal there mm-hmm. um you know wall board things like that so it's important to understand like hey no matter what you use there's always going to be that chance of an errant round doesn't matter, buckshot, slugs, pistol, rifle, whatever it is. There's always going to be that chance. Right. So you try to mitigate those as much as possible with practice, with training, with being proficient with your firearms, knowing your backgrounds, foregrounds, and angles. And those angles could be like, hey, man, I may need to take a knee and shoot upwards. Right. So yep. now I'm putting rounds in my ceiling. Yeah. Oh, yep. oh okay. I, I can deal with that, right? So, so there's a lot of variables still in those equations. But for the most part today, with a lot of the good buckshot loads that we see, they are going to pattern well outside of some junk stuff that's floating around out there. They are going to contain inside that ballistic medium. And that's the human body. Right. Right. Okay. So be better with your tools. Yeah. And, and obviously if we're talking home defense, you, you have the advantage over anyone in knowing your home. So know the layout and know, right. you know, know right. where your shots are and where your angles are and things like that. So, yeah. you know, Pre-plan. you, yeah, exactly. So you brought up a, a couple uh, sentences back. You brought up the idea of training. Um, and I'm sure right now a lot of people like myself and Keith are out there and they're finding that the cost of ammo is creating huge issues with training. It's gotten so expensive. We're splitting cases. Exactly. So it's about to get worse. Yeah. Do you have a favorite low round count drill that you could recommend to us and our listeners that would benefit skill development? So pistol rifle or shotgun? Cause I have a bunch. <laughs> um, let's go pistol. So handgun, like if you told me I have, 50 rounds of ammo to practice, right? And you can mix this up in a various sort of ways. So for me, like my first drill out of the box would be a 25-yard B8 cold 100-point aggregate. So I'm going to get a B8 repair center target. I'm going to put it up on my 25-yard backer or IPSC target, whatever it is I have, right? USPSA target, I don't care. I'm going to put that B8 repair center up, and I am going to do nothing but be super methodical about setting myself up for success. And how I'm going to do that is, basically that exercise for those that aren't familiar with it, which if you're not, you've probably been living in a cave the past 25, 30, 50 years. Um, honestly, so I'm going to take the gun, set it up with 10 rounds. I'm going to put it in a holster and I'm going to grab the gun and the clock starts ticking. Right. So I have literally one minute per shot okay. to complete that task. So I'm going to take that gun out of the holster and I'm going to set my grip. I'm going to set my body position. I'm going to make sure my, 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 my hands are right on the gun. I'm going to present the gun. I'm going to get a good side picture of that gun. I'm going to hold that dot as center as possible. And I'm going to press the trigger, right? Cool story. And I'm going to put the gun away and I'm going to repeat that 10 times somewhere in that action. I am going to probably bring that gun up, push it out to the target and be like, Whoa, that dot or front sight is everywhere shot's no good. I'm going to put it back in the holster, right? So it's a self-control drill as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put that gun back in the holster because I've got a minute. A minute. It's a lifetime. And then I'm going to bring the gun back out. I'm going to resettle myself. I'm going to talk myself through the process. I'm going to break that shot. So that is a great way to start it off. And if you're not a competent shooter at 25 yards, cool. Then what I may do is a test. And I'll take that same B8 target, put it up at 10 yards, and shoot 10 yards, 10 rounds in 10 seconds from the draw. Okay. So it, it gives me a good metric, right? I'm trying to score a 100. I, I first learned that exercise from Larry Vickers, Ken Hackathorn a million years ago, right? It's been adapted by many throughout history. That's fine. So the test, and I, I attribute it mainly to Larry um, because that's where I first learned it. Um, so again, 10 yards, 10 runs, 10 seconds, trying to score 100. As you progress, you get better, or depending on your skill level as a shooter, you should try to do it in half the time. Okay, cool. So let's just say we use both of those. We're at 20 rounds right now. Then I may decide, hey, that day I am going to work on nothing but first round shot presentations, building my speed, um, the efficiency from the draw, all that good stuff, and A zone at, you know, 10 yards. Okay. Sweet. So now I'm into like 30 rounds, right? Awesome. Then I may decide, well, you know what? I'm going to work on uh, that day. I'm going to work strong hand, other strong hand. So I'm going to work right-hand drills for about 10 rounds. Uh, 
you know, gun in the hand, bring the gun up from a table start or low ready, high ready, whatever your ready position is, don't care. Uh, bring the gun up and fire a round back either into that B8 or that A zone or whatever target you're going to use. <clears throat> and then I'll do it with the other hand. Well, now, now I've just used 50 rounds, but I practice everything. I have never, I don't think I've ever practiced with my left hand. Well, you suck. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I got to be, I, I'm being honest. I don't think I've ever done it. I, I'm trying ah. to think of a time where I've shot with my left hand. Nobody likes to do the things they're bad at. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, yeah, I guess that's probably it. Watch now. I'm going to go out and shoot 100. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I find interesting about what you just said is I always go out and I think like, I think of like 10 or 20 rounds, but I like how you said, take a box of 50, which is pretty obtainable, mm-hmm. right? Take a yeah, box yeah, of 50 yeah. and make a five-part lesson out of that box yes. of 50. Yes. I really like yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you could afford $25, $19, yeah. whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once a month, I hope. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, I don't need a lot to sustain, but I also need to identify problems or weaknesses or problems in the program that I should be working back on. Yes. And, and it's going to create some level of muscle memory. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, individuals are competitive against themselves. They want to do well, right? I think most people do. So they'll yeah. they'll push themselves to get better and they'll build that muscle memory behind it, right? Well, now you maximize that with some dry fire training and like you're getting a whole mm-hmm. lot of training in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you are. And, and dry fire is a big thing, right? Dry fire is a great way. Um, the problem with dry fire is most people don't know how to dry fire. So th- there's a lot of great books out there, right? Like Steve Anderson, Ben Steger, um, you know, Tim Heron's got a lot of good stuff. All the all the competitive guys have some great dry fire practices. Mm-hmm. And look, it doesn't have to be a CrossFit workout, right? Like the last thing I want to do when I come off the road after two months of traveling and teaching is dry fire. Right. Like it's the last thing I wanted, but but necessary evil, right? So hey, it may be as simple as pick the gun up, right? Get in your safe space, do all your little you know safety check stuff that you're supposed to do, and I may just work on. Hey man, I just want to work on some reloads today because I really sucked at that. Or hey man, I just want to get twenty good reps in of malfunction clearances with dummy rounds. Or hey, I just want to work on so, like so when I like for my practice, right? Uh, sometimes a dry fire, I'm looking for like ten to fifteen reps of draw the gun place the front sight that's it and i put the gun away i don't even press the trigger right i'm just placing the gun and then i'll add the trigger press realistically steve how many days a week every two weeks like how often should you dry fire or that's a bad way to ask this because people have lives reasonably (laughs) speaking how often should you dry fire or would dry firing benefit you to like would you say like once a week would you wonders for you is that not enough too much so so skill level of the person drive of the person what they're trying to obtain right like like dudes that are you know trying to be like the best gm class shooters stuff like that you know they're going to dry fire every day they are going to have time set aside and they are going to get some form of dry fire in almost every day okay cool well we understand that you know you know the mom or the dad or whoever with the kids the job all this stuff, they're probably not going to do that, but they're looking for some extra degree of proficiency and just gun handling skills, right? So that's not a bad thing. Even if they did that once a week for 10 minutes, once a week for 10 to 15 minutes, they will see some progression, right? And they may decide, hey, I want to do this more, or maybe they, they, they'll buy a Mantis system or whatever, laser trainer, something, something, something else that's out there that tickles our fancy. I, I use a Mantis system because I dig it and I've known those guys for years, but yeah, we like ulti- ultimately, yeah, great, great dudes. Like I love, I love those guys. Um, and so even if they spend 10 minutes, just 10 minutes working with the gun and some mags and just being that much better for those 10 minutes in life, right? That's going to pay value. So even if they did that once a week, what what are what are the basics we should consider in developing a home defense plan? Um, obviously, Ooh. we have to, you know, obviously we have uh, to consider the uh, available firearms that we have. But you know, what about drills, or should we involve family members, staging that kind of stuff? Ooh. So, like any other good plan, right? Right, you remember those when you were a kid in school? Like everybody line up at the door. We've got all the kids. Yeah, like a drill. Last, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, last man. Okay, good. We're all at the door. I think it kind of looks like you know CQB with thirty five kids. Um, and they're all going out in the hall, down the door. They get outside to do the safety check. Ultimately, it starts with the location and the firearms in the family and the mindset of the family. So it's like, okay, cool. Where's our rooms laid out? If you have people in the house, where's our master bedroom laid out? 
compared to the kids' room? Is it on the same floor, the same hallway? What does that look like? Okay, great. Well, the kids' room is on the lower floor, so then you have decisions to make, right? At that point, you're like, well, now I've got to get downstairs. I've got to get the kids. I've got to go and sing. I should cut a hole in the floor and put a pole to their room. I don't know. <laughs> right. So, 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 so here's the first part, right? Like the layout, take a look at what that looks like. Ultimately it should start with the exterior of the home. Like how hardened is the home? Like, do I have lights? Do I have motion sensors? Do I have a ring camera? Are the right. doors locked? Do I have dogs? Even if it's a little yippy noisy dog, do I have a dog? Do I have accessibility? Are those lights automatic? You know, so there's that base layer level, right? I've said on, uh, on the show many times, Steve, it's the it's the yeah. onion approach, right? You're putting layers of your onion. Ex- exactly. Always, always an approach like that. So, you know, uh, here's what I tell people. Like, move to the country somewhere on 50 acres on a farm, put the house in the middle of it, and don't worry about it. Um, yeah. but, but ultimately, right, like, cool driveway alarms all these little layers right then you get into the interior of the household okay how dark is the house at night where are the kids how old are the kids do i have the 14 year old that's gonna be sneaking in and out of the house like i did right all these things which we see tragically we see this tragically talk about maybe some more of those compromises that you have to consider when if you do Mm -hmm. have young children but more the compromises i'm thinking of like how do i involve them you know it, not, it's not, not sure. necessarily. It's not really necessary playing a game with them, so to speak. Yeah, but no, still being right. serious, but not scaring them, right? So understand, hey, if you know, mommy or daddy or whoever says this, or you know, there's some kind of password, code word for things. Ultimately, the kids probably gonna be knocked out of sleep in their room if things did happen at that oh dark thirty bump in the night or ten o'clock at night, um, whatever time frame, even in the daytime, right? The rash of daytime home invasions is huge. Um, I think my son would pick up a Nerf gun and try to fight, but <laughs> yes, awesome on him. Get him a twenty-two. Get him a twenty-two suppressed with a red. Oh, dot. we we got um, him going on. Uh, we got him going on BB guns. He's he's uh, there, there my daughter both. They're 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 still, good. You know they're they're probably ready for a twenty-two or at least pretty close. I just yeah. want to get a little more proficient with uh, yeah, absolutely. Guns, but so teaching them right, teaching them about things. So so evaluating your own plan based on what your family is like, right, in in that environment that you live in. So it's like, hey, if, if this goes on, right, the dog's barking, crashing, glass is crashing, the kids are crying. It's like, hey, man, like I, I got to do something. So while everybody always says, you, you should always bunker in and wait. Well, you may not have the option of waiting. So then you have to understand how to navigate with a gun in your hand through your house. Yeah. I feel a lot of people, and Keith, I don't know if this is, I don't even know this about you or not, so I, I apologize. But a lot of people who are gun owners don't have alarm systems. And for right. me, that was like a must because... I'm in a deep sleep. I'm not even gonna know someone's in my house. That's the God's honest truth. Yeah. You know, I That's need it like as a warning system. You know, well, yeah, right. you give it a dog. That's another one. Yeah. And so that's a hard part, right? So so developing that plan, right? So taking a class on home defense or uh, like to a degree, like almost I won't say single person CQB, but like single person structural problem solving. Right. Because really it's a game of angles. It's like playing pool in any other game. Right, right. Realistically is what it is for a lot of people. And while you know, you're not going to get the husband and wife off and that's going to show up in full kit, battle, rattle, plate carriers, helmets, all the stuff to go to a CQB class. <laughs> right. But oh, you know, I, there I are courses. No, I'm just kidding. Good man. You should. <laughs> I um, know I should. So, oh, absolutely. But so, so there's that plan, right? But, but here's the often overlooked one in that plan as well that most people don't have is like, where's the med kit staged? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, is yep. it like, is it for me? Is it for them? Is it for the kids? Like, where are they? Is there a bag downstairs? Is there a bag upstairs? What is attached to you as a person? Like, 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 that, that's, another, you, you, that's you, another thing that is, that mm-hmm. is under, under trained for sure. Yeah. Like, so, so like, even on my, like my, my guns in the house, right. I, I live alone. I've got, you know, great layout. I'm in the middle of nowhere, whatever, big dog. Um, for me, it's like, I have a sling on my rifle. I have a sling and a pressure dressing on my rifle, right? And they're attached to my sling. So I have them on me for me, more importantly than anything else, if I'm impacted in this, if it ever does happen. Right. There's also a med bag staged at the top of the stairs on a hook, right? Well, they tr- with trauma kits and other essential items that I may need at that point for either myself or what have you. Um, so, so having that med plan, like, do the kids know, are they old enough to understand how to apply a tourniquet? Are, are they, are they, do they understand that, right? Can they be utilized in that role if need be? So, so there, and that's just in daily life, right? Not just here. Can, can they apply a tourniquet or can they apply pressure dressing with gauze, right? Can they do these things? Have they been taught that at an age where it's not scary, but it's a good tool if there's a car wreck 
or if mommy or daddy are hurting. So there's all these layers, right? You keep getting deeper, deeper, deeper in the onion rabbit hole. And then you're like, yeah, I need to move out in the country on 800 acres, have two gated <laughs> fences, 600, oh, yeah. 600 meters cleared around me on a perimeter and I'm good. Right. So, so all those well, layers what take I, place. What I took away, what I took away from that, and I'm, I'm definitely summarizing here, pretty, pretty, pretty focused in, but you know, you really got to reevaluate your kids as they grow. And it's got to be something that, you know, you have to constantly start thinking about because a lot of the things that you said, my kids are probably too young for some of the tourniquet stuff. I don't think my sure. kids would have the strength yet, but they, <clears throat> that's something that in a, a couple of years will not be a problem. And, and getting them early on and all that stuff and getting them involved in that is something that has to be a constant reevaluation. So yeah, uh, again, I'm, I'm summarizing that a little bit, but that I, was where I kind of, I think it's just a matter of like, listen, there's some people who they own a gun, they put it in a box in their closet and hopefully a lockbox. And that's just, that's it. It's not, it's not a part of their life. It's not like they just have one and whatever. I think for you and I, Keith, and certainly you, Steve, when you're part of your life, part of your hobbies is this stuff, you know, like Keith and I, it's a little easier. Yeah. It's a little easier. Like, so I, this is not related to guns, but I went to do a quick workout, uh, today and I went in the basement and my son said, dad, can I come work out with you? And I was like, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be doing squats. I'm like, I really didn't want him around to be quite honest. But my wife gave me this look like he wants to be around you. And I'm like, you're right. And I knew that five seconds into it, he wasn't going to want to quote unquote work out with me anymore. But it was important that he was around it and he saw it and he participated a little bit and then he went on and played yeah. with some toys. But I think the more you have them around you just doing the things you do, the more they're just naturally going to sort of absorb it through osmosis. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, Definitely. you know, that's just how I feel about it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and Mike, for, I also didn't answer your question. I'm not discussing the layers of my onion. <laughs> Good for you. There you go. Um, so, Steve, I've heard you discuss the concept of rounding out your firearms training with combatives. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us why you feel that it's important to add that on top of just carrying a firearm? I know there's going to be someone out there that says, I got a gun. I don't need to know how to fight. I got yeah, a gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, first off, not everything is a gunfight. True. Yes. Um, second of all, you know, it may be a fight to get to the gun. It may be a fight over somebody else's gun. It could be a, a myriad of all kinds of variables. So it's not always about that. And I used to tell students that, like, hey, man, you know, somebody had asked me one time, well, when's this, this, whatever. I'm like, hey, the gunfight starts when you put a gun on. Like the clock is ticking. Yeah. Like yeah. the minute, that's when it happens, right? So, so you should have these layers, right? You should be good at, you know, um, I will tell you personally, like, the, the best program out there for this is Craig Douglas. Software. Oh, I knew you were going to say um, that. Craig, Craig is a buddy. He's a friend. He, he's he's a superior in the industry. I don't even call him a peer, even though we've been friends for a million years. He is, he is vastly superior in this industry, right? So you have Craig Douglas. You have guys like him, Cecil Birch, Paul Sharp, right? They're great practitioners. They understand this. And Craig brings a lifetime of experience to the table. And with that, it's, it's also a course that's very manageable for most everybody, right? They can spend two days, they get a little sweaty, a little dirty, little hands-on in a very good controlled environment, and they learn skills that are transferable, right? From right. managing the unknowns to dealing with the combatives aspect of it, right? If, if anything, that is one course people should take. But rounding out those skills is important, right? Because everybody's like, oh, I know how to fight. Oh, bro, you were in fifth grade the last time you traded hands. <laughs> Let, like, st like stop it, right? Like, don't do that anymore, right? Um, so, so getting into that, right? Even, even if you were to sign up for jujitsu, right? Like, jiu-jitsu is awesome, right? So, even if you were to sign up for that and just take it recreationally as a form of exercise, you're still going to learn a lot of good, valuable skills, right? So, like, so it sounds so, like you trying to convince me to do jujitsu. I wish you would. So important, <laughs> right? Important life skills, physicality, all these good things. It's important, right? So, you should do it. Um, so it's very important to round that out for a lot of factors. <clears throat> Not everything is a gunfight. You may be fighting over a gun because you're wearing your winter clothes and all this other stuff. You haven't set up your kit properly or what have you. It ends up in that situation or, Hey, the gun is there. Like whatever the, what are so the, what ifs are. But at that point, like it's not always a fight, right? A gunfight. It's always, it could be a fight over a gun. It could be just, Hey man, like you, you need to relax, do some other things. People are a little crazy now in case you haven't noticed these days. Yeah. Um, so under, yeah. understanding some degree of unarmed combatives is beneficial, right? Especially ones that translate back to the gun. 
And yeah. then rounding that out, what I would consider combatives like as well uh, in forms of de-escalation is pepper spray, right? People should should get trained in that as well. Like Chuck Haggard. Chuck Haggard does an amazing class on less lethal stuff with pepper spray as well as other courses. So like like finding this is out there, but having again layered, right, is important. Yeah, I, yeah. What, what I find uh, interesting is that people say like, you know, like I, I'm kind of sort of joking, like, oh, I have a gun, I don't need to know how to fight. But when you learn how to fight, and I, I'm by no means the world's best uh, fighter, but I, I've trained a little bit. And the one thing that I have learned that I never really paid attention to when I was watching boxing on television as a kid or watching MMA as an adult is you learn all, one of the main things you learn from fighting is distance management, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, if you if you you mentioned jujitsu, uh, you know, doing takedowns and you know single leg, double leg takedowns, like there's a whole art to that in terms of how far away you can actually take your shot, and then you know you go into your striking and into you know the kicking range, the punching range, the grappling range. Those are all things that if you're trying to stay alive, you can solve a lot of problems by just staying out of range. Mm-hmm. You know, but people don't think about that. They just think like you know I'm just going to pull my gun out and shoot somebody, but. Yeah. Like you said, it, it doesn't always go directly to that. Steve, something I uh, I had read about uh, you that I found interesting, and also I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Nighthawk, is that you helped uh, develop the Shadowhawk. Correct. Do you, do you have any other manufacturing partnerships on the horizon? Um. So, you know, besides the trading aspect, there's some consulting that goes on throughout the industry for me. Um, I've, I've worked with several optics manufacturers. I've worked with gun companies over the years, not only in like, testing, evaluating, uh, going over products with engineers, good idea, fairy stuff. You know, there's a lot of things and not, not always necessarily on the development side, but mid development stream, right? So there's always that little factor or there's that company that calls you that, Hey, we, we need some ideas. We need to look at some things. So there's a lot of that that goes on because you know, not a dig here, but a lot of engineers aren't the guys that are on the range all the time. Sure. Right. 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 Yeah. There, there's a few, there, there's some scattered throughout the industry. Absolutely. are. So yeah, you know, the Nighthawk thing was awesome. It was great. Um, but then there's been other projects. Uh, there's some coming up that, that we can't talk about that you'll see sooner oh, or later. Say, come on, give us a teaser. There, no, 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 no. You'll know it when you see it. Um, but there's been <laughs> other partnerships, right? There's been other partnerships over the years, like Nighthawk and Agency Arms, right? I've been shooting for Agency Arms for about five years, so I do a lot with them. There's, you know, then there was a partnership I put between them and Nighthawk that I helped with. And there's been others like that over the years um, where everybody gets we- a good piece of that pie. Plus my own we project. Had, we had the guys from Nighthawk on, and I it's on my oh, bucket Oh God, list I'm sorry, me. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, I we had a lot of fun. I, I, if the uh, if the Nighthawk, re- um, who we had, we had Mick, Mark and, Mark and uh, Mickey, Mark and Mickey, Mark and Mickey, Mark yeah. and Mickey. Yeah, and uh, if if, if okay. Mickey's listening, uh, we're gonna take him. We're gonna take him up, man. We want to come down and bet on some horses down there. <laughs> Dude, you should. It's a, it's a great time. You know, they're, they're amazing crew of dudes. They're just great to work with. Did you, uh, they, did you been, get to, did you get a custom shadow Hawk for yourself? Um, so the shadow Hawk actually came about while I was at Magnus. Okay. We were, okay. I was looking to do a gun for like the instructor contract. Right. So yeah. I, I went to my, you know, obviously go to my friends at Mag at Nighthawk. I'm like, Hey, we want to do this gun. I'm like, Oh, Hey, let's do it. So like I stayed to give you free reign, expecting gun. So I expect the shadow Hawk, which let's be real. It's a 1911. Um, you yeah. know, there's a few little intricacies to it, right? It's a great 1911. Um, few little details, little design stuff. So we designed that gun, had you know, for our guys at Magpul at that point in time. Uh, then at that time, the program was closing, so I had you know, I was going out on my own again at that point. Um, and you know, the guys at Nighthawk were like, "Hey, this is your baby." You know, and I asked them like, "Hey, I, w- I want to bring this to the market with Nighthawk." You know, in all fairness, and they're like, "Dude, that was your baby," you know, kind of thing. But let's you know, let's run it through because it used you know the Magpul name and some of the stuff at one point. And, other stuff like that and so you know they're like hey no man go go for a conquer i'm like cool and that's that's kind of how the chef hockey you know came about uh, with that development and it's just been a great gun you know and i've been involved in other projects that i see like like the filster arc switches for x300s um i i took that to one company uh they chose not to run with it uh, i tabled it for a while took it to john who's who's been a buddy for a long time uh, I said, "Hey, John, let's do this." He's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And now it's great, right? Um, well, so anytime you do these things, from now on, you got to work in the deal that you get one. 
Yeah. Keith will <laughs> so be your agent. Me, I, I, I have my Shadowhawks. Trust me. I have, <laughs> okay. I have, okay. I have Shadowhawk double stack, Shadowhawk government guns, Shadowhawk, Shadowhawk commanders. I, I've got a couple. So it, it, I, I got a full of Nighthawk well, guns. It's great. Um, I was. I was excited to see that because, like I said, we're we're I'm a fan. I shouldn't. I don't want to speak for you, Mike. I think you are. Um, they're just. Uh, we, we, I, I've been enamored with them for a while, and then having them on the show was cool. Great. And seeing that, Great seeing that people. you were involved in it, seeing you were involved in it, got me excited. So I, I'm glad you took a took a couple minutes and told us. So about I actually it. have one one last question because of this conversation before we move on here. Um, for for the average person for self defense. Do you recommend a striker fire or are you a fan of like Good a question. single action only? Cause I, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. I, before I, before, let me, let me just add something. I already here. know the answer. To say, but go Smith, ahead. Smith and Wesson just came out with the news at the CSX uh, and the big joke on the show. Keith knows it very well is that I desperately want to carry an appendix, but I'm really scared to shoot my nuts off. And I, I I'm God. like, man, if I had a safety, maybe I'd feel better about it, but I don't like shooting a safety. I mean, I just can't imagine them being that big that I'd have to worry about shooting them <laughs> off. I just, yeah, know. really. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> no, uh, what I would What's the answer this. here? The, the answer is what you're most comfortable with, right? Like, so does the 1911 type gun with a manual safety, some safety require a little bit more training, a tad, not a ton. Um, it's, it's not hard. It's actually much part of the natural draw stroke occurrence of drawing the pistol. So it's not hard, right? John Moses, Brian, and God literally got together and put that safety where your thumb is speaking to grab the gun. So it's not hard, right? It's a very natural thing. Right. That being said, people are, oh, the safety is, okay, cool, God. I, I will tell you, like, like for me, but I grew up with a 1911, right? So it's, it's natural to me. Um, but, I, but I switch a lot between striker and the 1911s and big guns when I teach. It's right. not a big deal, right? But so proficiency at your levels, right, is what you're ab- absolutely after. Uh, some people feel better with a manual saying, nothing wrong with that. Train with it, right? So any of them is a correct I will say for the general person, going out, getting a gun, gun, still getting to people, hasn't had a metric ton of training. Um, you know, a striker-fired gun is great, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. They're awesome. Um, there's nothing wrong with a DASA gun. Like I'll tell you right now, I, I carry a Beretta a lot. I carry a Langdon tactical gun. Okay. Um, and, and there's no, like, I'll tell you, if you want a really good carry gun, like like appendix gun, and you're worried about it or whatever, like, and you're very hard pressed to go wrong with like an LTT compact gun, like what, what, fifteen plus one in the gun, and it's a rock star. What gun is that? I'm sorry, not in New York. No, not in New York. Uh, what, Ten rounds. What gun is this though? Uh, Beretta from Langdon Tactical. From Ernest Langdon's crew. Okay. Their their compact is great. Their midsize is another awesome gun. But another good gun to look at that is the CZ series, the PO7 and the PO9. Yes. Yeah. I, I know. I'm a, a buddy huge. Of mine. I just got one of those. I'm a big CZ fan as well. You know, they're they're great guns. So yeah. again, right, there's options based on all these things. Um, and and those are good. Those are good beginner guns for sure. They're amazing guns. Like like people discount that gun like crazy. Um. Just because it's kind of, I won't say obscure, but it's not the Smith and Wesson name. Yeah, yeah. Right. What is the yeah. Beretta like? What model is that? It's, like, it's not the ninety two FS model. Like what? What? It's so it's their ninety two compact. Um, okay. You, you can see it on Ernest's website. Um, great pistol, like just a great compact gun, almost like D eighteen size. Yes. <clears throat> and double single. Um, you know, just an amazing pistol. Just. Uh, if yeah. you're going to spend money on that gun and you want something kind of Gucci, or you want it with a dot, you don't want to die. If you want to, you can get it with that gun, right? And that's another great gun for the appendix drivers that quote unquote aren't super comfortable with appendix yet, or maybe thinking about this. So again, it's about the options, right? And they're, they're all good choices. Gotcha. 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 All right. So, um, where can people find you? I have some links in the show notes, but why don't you give us a shout where we can get you on the road about 200 plus days a year at about, uh, <laughs> So all over the country, um, they can generally find me at the uh, sentinelconcepts.com. That's the website. Um, they can also find me on the book, uh, at, you know, sentinel concepts. They can find me on Instagram on like sentinel underscore concepts, kind of abbreviated. It's weird uh, how it was set up way back in the day. Uh, but if you spell it out, they'll, they'll find it there as well. The Instagram is, I get a lot more traction. I do more on the IG stuff than I do on the book based stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just you know pretty much everywhere. There's often little things you know trickling in and out wherever I'm at. Yep. 
Yeah, I have all those. I have all those main ones in our show notes for sure. So people will awesome. find you there, and uh, obviously, if they Google you, they're going to find you as well. So, uh, Steve, we play a game on the show called Run and Gun, and I wanted to play that with you today. Yes. All right. So you ready to do this? It's a ten question rapid fire game. Give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Let me drink first. Hold on. All right. Take a drink. Mm. Twenty-one year weller. Okay. Nice. Let's do this. <laughs> Number one. What is your favorite gun in your personal collection? You would ask me that first out of the gate. I, I don't really have a favorite one. Um, <laughs> Got to pick one. I, I, I would probably say my Glock 17 agency uh, build, one of my Glock 17 agency builds. Okay. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Hmm. Holland and Holland or Wesley Richards uh, double gun in 500 or something like that nitro five or 600 nitro something big and ugly <laughs> if, big yes. and ugly is right. if you could yes. have a drink with one person living or dead who would it be oh, living or dead that's hard um there's so many influences over the years that have gone on in my life i i would probably still say ultimately out of all of them it would be my grandmother favorite caliber Good choice mm, 10 millimeters life the only millimeter that matters favorite hobby <laughs> not gun related Ooh, I have a few. I would probably say my most favorite one would be deer hunting. If you could have one okay. superpower, what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. One superpower. What would it be? Forethought, like like to like almost like see in the future, kind of so to speak. Okay. Oh, I but, thought for a second he was going to say extra vision. <laughs> All hell. No, breaks, I got night vision. I'm good. <laughs> All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Ooh, trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I, I would, pre- I would prefer. I would tell people loved. I would rather be feared. <laughs> Rifle. Because <laughs> I don't like. Because I don't like people that much, so it doesn't matter. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun. Ooh, that's a tough one for you because you've said that. It a that times, is right? a tough one. I, I, I would ultimately have to go with pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back? Chuck Pressburg. Let's mix it up. All right. So on this episode of Let's Mix It Up, we are going to talk about how and why to establish personal shooting standards. And this comes from a video I watched of yours that I've uh, also put a link to in our show notes so people can go watch it. And the general concept is you're a big believer in going to the range cold and shooting a uh, standard to see where you're at and where you can improve and sort of measure your improvement as well. Uh, hope I said that correctly. Yeah. Um, and you have a couple of resources here. So on your website, you have a couple of printable targets you can use for both mm-hmm. a warm up and then for uh, for the standard. And then you also sell some targets online. You have your Bonnie and Clyde targets and some other stuff. So. Uh, I guess my first question for you is walk us through why this is important. You know, what, what, are, what are people going to do when they get to the range? What, what is the process? Having a plan before you get there, right? Right. is important. Um, don't make it a hurried event, right? It shouldn't be rushed. It should be when you have, you know, the time to go do it. So it's not a rushed event. Um, so like for me, like my, I have a range bag, right? Everybody has a range bag. My range bag is specifically for the range, right? It's packed, it's set, it has everything I need to go. And so there's no confusion. All I have to do is get in the vault, grab a gun, you know, whatever guns I'm taking that day or one gun, two guns. And I go and practice, right? So then I'm going to go set up an exercise, um, be it rifle, pistol, shotgun. So, um, they should have something that is scorable, right? So, you know, a timer, right? It always helps like progression like where am i at in my time standards maybe the last time you shot was six months ago like the last time i picked up a gun outside of hunting was november when i taught my last class so not a long period of time um so i'm gonna go to the range cold here in the next couple of days and be like okay i need to get back on the gun so what am i gonna do well i'll probably go and start with a b8 25 yard 100 point aggregate i'm gonna start with that because that is what i like to do mm-hmm. So I'm going to shoot that and I'm going to shoot that cold or I may mix that up and shoot a speed bull variant where I'm like, hey, so the standard aggregate is 10 rounds in one minute, you know, kind of untimed, so to speak, because at the lifetime, that's only 10 minutes um, where I may shoot that instead and go, okay, I need timer to go. I need my first round draw presentation, place a gun and shoot those 10 rounds as quickly and as accurately as I can on that B8 for a score of 90 or better. 
So, okay, that's what I'm going to go do. I want to see where I'm at versus my notes from the previous time I did that exercise, call it two months ago, two weeks ago, whatever it may be. So taking notes is important as well during those yeah. performance standards. Sure. Mike, I know I, I see you with your notepad all the time. I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite as good as you, but um, Steve, what about, uh, is this standard, should the standard be carried across all three platforms, pistol, rifle, shotgun? There should be a standard. Um, even if you're trying for first round hits from the draw or first round hits from the presentation with the long gun, right? It could be from true low ready, not Instagram low ready, or it should be from, you know, high ready, a low ready position, contact ready, whatever you want to call them these days. Right. So, Hey, like, like I want to practice my first round a zone hit at call it 25 yards of the carbine. And I want that to hover right around a half a second. Right. Or, or better. So like at, at peak performance times, I know where I'm at with it. Ultimately, like if I can deliver that shot at 25 yards, a zone with a carbine from high or low ready in, you know, half a second, like, oh, awesome. That's where I need to be. So, but then you try to better that, right? So you're always trying to better and you're always trying to improve it. So um, it could even be so much as like, Hey, what is my, my standard for call it 50 yards, 10 rounds from standing to prone? or 50 or 100 yards standing to prone, right? Like for those 10 rounds, like right. what is my score with a rifle at those distances? Okay, good. So having something not just going to the range and burning up, you know, $210 in a magazine of ammo right now, just to go and make that noise, right? There, there should be some fun involved in there, but there should also be learning time or at least performance standards. Right. As well. And that's important. You should have those. Yeah. What I like about it is it's funny because I, I didn't even talked about this with Keith until uh, a little before the show. But I said, what a great way to say, like what we talked about earlier, you can go with a box of 50 rounds yeah. and yeah. say, we're going to do this every two months. We're going to go and we're going to redo this just to just mm-hmm. to kind of keep a practice, which right. brings me to how often do you think reassessing is like what's the minimum? Would you say would you say once a month, once every two months, once every six months? I'm in a different boat, right? Um, yeah. Because I'm always on the range. For the average I'm, I'm always on the range. For right? the average shooter. If you have that person who may take the gun out three times, four times a year, right? So like, hey, man, like quarterly, right? There should be a performance yeah. evaluation yeah, quarterly. At, at least, I, I, right? Yeah, that's the minimum I would say too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. I, I ultimately say there should be something weekly or monthly. Again, when ammo was at its height, you were able to get it. It was cheap and all these good things. Yeah. Like weekly, right? Like I used to shoot a lot, but you know, like a lot of people right now that's limited. So again, you could even practice this with dry fire performance to first round draw hit. If you have a timer and a mantis system or just your dry fire and your regular timer setup, that's great, right? You can still have trackable performance and learn things without going to the range, but to go to the range, you should have all these things in play. And And I honestly say like in today's world, today's market, monthly is really good because you can afford to go get a box of 50 and right. shoot that 50 rounds once a month. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, God, sorry. God. I, I was, well, I was just going to say, you know, my, I shoot a ton of shotgun particularly, like I said, but I'm always doing things like trap or skeet and I really need to get better at, you know, taking time to, to do some of these trainings. And I, you know, Mike, you and I always talk about it and, yeah. uh, but uh, that that's 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 the probably something that I I'm going to take away from this conversation. Really trying to yeah, really trying to set some sort of standard for myself. Yeah, what I take away from it is it doesn't sound like like I looked at your actual the one that you recommend. And it's on your target and stuff, and it doesn't sound like it has to be that or anything in particular. It just sounds like you're setting up certain standards that you can then reevaluate periodically. That's the yeah, key the there. ones the ones that we've talked about though I like. You know, a box. I, I could do a box a month, right? right? Even if I went a box every two months, you know, having a set of like, you know, 25 yards, score to 100, like I, th- that's doable, I think. Definitely. Um, so I think, you know, just for me, walking away from this conversation is just like kind of putting it on the calendar like we do the shows. You know? Exactly. So, Steve, one thing on your, uh, the one that you have on your website is you talk about the importance of shooting 25 yards, which we definitely don't see yes. enough of. I certainly, you know, it's like everyone's got that seven yard, you know, you're quick drawn. Every, every, <laughs> I, I think our club that. has a marker for seven yards and I'm like, why seven? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have a question for you because I struggle with this. So when I'm shooting out to that distance, depending on the target, obviously, a torso is different. But um, with today's modern striker fire guns, combat sites, the the sight almost covers up the entire target. So how are Isn't you getting... awesome? 
So how are you getting an accurate hit on that? Easy. It's real easy. So, so, so here's the best thing for that, right? If you can't see the target and all you see is your sight, press the trigger. So I know it's crazy talk, right? Yeah. Center, like center is still center. No matter how, no matter how you quarter it, man. It's like, so if you ever shot like your, your, your AR with a red dot out to two, 300 yards on a piece of steel. Not that yeah. far, but I not, mean, not far, far, far enough. Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Right. So even a hundred yards on reduced steel, right? Yep. So you can't see the target because the dot obscures it. Right. Why aren't you pressing the trigger then hero? Right. I got you. <laughs> so, I got so, you. so you see what I'm saying, but no, yeah. but there are ways, right? So other ways like, does your pistol, right? Does it have, are your sights regulated? Have you actually zeroed your handgun? How do you, so I guess that's part of my question. I'm not knowledgeable, but how do you zero a, like a set post sight like that? So your rear sight is adjustable. Yep. Correct. So you take your gun out, you sandbag it at whatever distance. You know, a lot of modern pistols these days are zeroed from the factory for 15 yards. Mm-hmm. But you also have guns that have either a combat hold quote unquote, or a European hold, right? So a European hold is a six o'clock hold yep. so they can see the target right? and watch the rounds walk in an impact. So, right. So if your gun isn't zero, you just don't know because you don't have any information to derive that from. You're used to shooting a big target. You're patting yourself on the back with your <laughs> 300 ragged holds in it. You're like, look at me. Like, well, that's a failure. But that, that's ultimately a failure, right? right? So, so taking the gun out and zeroing it, like, so you can buy sites. They're, they're cheap. They're, they're all over the internet. Uh, Dawson Precision has the perfect impact sites, right? So you order the sites from them for your Glock 17, right? You get whatever set of sites. Um, cool. You take it out. You group the gun. So you can bag it, bench it, rest it at 15, 25, whatever your preferred distance is. I don't care, right? So you get that gun out there to a place where you can ultimately see the errors. Like, we'll just take for granted that everybody's a perfect shooter. And you bag the gun and you shoot your five rounds or 10 rounds like you would a rifle. Okay, so hey, man, they're hitting right and high. Okay, was I on the top of the post when I shot that group? Was I on the center of all three dots when I shot that post? Was I on the, you know, was I on the middle of the fiber optic or was I on the top of the fiber optic on the frame of the fiber optic? Because all those things matter when zeroing the gun, especially as distances go. So then you're like, hmm, okay, so now I've got this down with my good ammo, right? My defensive quality, carry, duty, whatever stuff, gold dot, HSTs, whatever you choose, right? Because good ammo matters. You zero the gun for that. You're like, okay, so the gun's shooting uh, three inches high at 25 yards off center post. I'm like, okay, well, let me try that same group now off of the, you know, top of the blade or off the center of the dot. Yes, that's what I was going to ask you. So you can use where, like, for instance, instead of looking at the dot and holding on the center of the target where it's obscuring it or blocking yeah. it out, you can use the top yeah. of the post at 12 o'clock, let's say, or whatever it is. Yeah, as, as they were intended to be originally, okay. right, for all these years. So doing that is a starting point. And then you're like, okay, the gun shoots four inches high. Well, sweet. And you call Dawson. You say, hey, man, I've got these sites from you. They look up your order like, yep, okay, cool. You know, 300 front, 295 front, whatever it is. Sweet. We will send you the front site to give you that correction. Now we'll get you this, I don't know, 310 front site or 315 front site. Okay. That's going to bring you up or bring you down, whatever the, the case is in that equation. Now, if you're a lot like me, right, I shoot my guns, I zero my guns. Okay, great. That's fine. I also have guns with adjustable rear iron sights. Because I may shoot a variety of ammo through the season. I may be shooting MagTech, Lawman, American Eagle, HST, whatever. I may be shooting 115s this month versus 124 versus 147, which all matter in that equation, just like your rifles. Yes. So do you recommend sighting out for your, like for what we're talking about, sighting out to 25 yards and then that way at seven yards, you're still going to be center mass? Yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. Your ability as a shooter based on the capabilities of the equipment you have, right? And your ability to press the trigger clean, stabilize the gun, shoot a printable group repeatedly makes more sense, right? So, so you have to have all those factors as well right. to shoot them out to those distances. Right. So it may be 25. It may be 15, right? You may decide 10 yards because you suck. Right. So, but so either way, the gun has to be zeroed. Right. So, so when we're talking about just to kind of wrap this whole segment up, when we're talking about pistol standards, maybe 25 yards isn't where someone starts. Maybe they start at 10 or 15 or 20, right? Right. Until you they get it. themselves out to 25 yards. But, uh, okay. That makes sense. Cause I said 25. I mean, like, you know, I can hit 25, but certainly not as reliable and as accurate as I would like to. But I guess you could start off a little closer if that's where you need to be. Sure. Absolutely. Gotcha. 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 
Hey, happy anniversary. Oh, you son of a... <laughs> Keith, I had to throw that out there really quick. I know you... <laughs> oh, man, I've been waiting for it. And I've been expecting it, but that I did not expect. <laughs> so, so, Keith, you had something you wanted to shout out before we ended the show. I did. Thank you for that. Uh, so, a buddy of mine uh, stopped by today for some of our stickers. He had been... Uh, he's actually uh, a friend of the show, too, Jody. He's okay. uh, made a couple comments. and. Um, I gave him some stickers and I, I walked outside and his dad was out there and he wanted to wanted to uh, see one of my cars. So I was showing showing him the car. And when I came back around, Jody already had the sticker on his truck. He's going to be driving that thing all over from here to Maine to Pennsylvania. So I was excited to know that one of our stickers are just like hanging out there and uh, that's uh, cool. representing. So I wanted to thank Jody and give him a shout out for doing that for us. That's cool. And I know Jody, I, I have seen him comment and stuff and he's, he's a good, good listener of the show. So I appreciate well, it. It's really that, cool. That's a guy that puts a lot of miles on every year. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on the show and talking to us about all your training philosophies and, and teaching us the importance of, establishing these personal shooting standards um you know the one thing i've i've listened to some of your lectures that you've given at some of the ranges and stuff and the one thing i know is you are a no bs kind of instructor but i want to say this to the people that are listening you definitely round that off by showing compassion and realizing that we all have our hang-ups and and you're not you don't seem like someone who's hard but you're definitely not going to sugarcoat shit so i think that's a really good combination to have and uh, i really appreciate you coming and sharing all that with us thank you guys and i appreciate it yeah yeah thanks steve it was great and uh, very straightforward we appreciate it to everyone listening we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show you can find links in the show notes to all of our social media so be sure to follow us on instagram facebook and twitter so we can keep the conversation going